Hey, well, my name is Adam, in case you don't know me. I'm one of the pastors here. I was on sabbatical for six weeks, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. From me, on behalf of my wife, Abby, and our kids, it was an amazing six weeks. We missed you, but it was a really great opportunity to kind of reconnect to each other and reconnect to God, and that's because of your generosity. So thank you for that. I brought a beard back with me, a sabbatical beard. The jury's still out on I got one clap, and I'll take it. You better believe I'll take it, because every other vote has been no. So, and the votes that matters... Abby, Asher, Eliza, Ainsley, they all say no. But I had to get up here once just to prove that I could kind of sort of do it. So I wanted to kind of get reacquainted with you all. We're starting a new series today called Truish. We're kind of talking about truth and absolute truth and the gray areas that we live in. And I thought, have you ever played kind of two truths and a lie? Have you ever played that game? What a weird game to play in church, but we're going to do it today. You know, the, the winner of Two Truths and a Lie is the best liar. It's like when you get to know somebody, you're like, oh, here's two facts about me. Also, I'm an incredible liar. Like, it's just kind of a weird thing to do. But we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. So check this out. Here we go. These are just, two of these are true about me. One of these is not true about me. First is that I am a cheese cyclopedia, which means that I have a certificate from the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. I went through a class and that I am a cheese cyclopedia. I know more about cheese than you need to is the answer to that. So that's one, is that true or is that not true? The second is, I've always kind of wanted to do stand-up comedy, so one of the things that I did during sabbatical was I went up to an open mic in Indy, kind of talking about life as a pastor, which means all of my jokes were about you all, really. (laughs) So that's the second truth or a lie. And then the third is, in college, I directed a reality TV show, a Christian reality TV show called Reality Trip, where we got in kind of an RV and went all around the Midwest. So which one of those, just hold up a finger, not that finger, just hold up a finger and tell me which one do you think is true, which one do you think is a lie, which one do you think is the lie? See a lot of twos, see a lot of threes. All right, here we go. One is true. I am a cheesecyclopedia. I don't know where the certificate is. Three is true. I did direct a reality TV show called Reality Trip. Don't look for it on YouTube, please. Um, Seriously. And then number two, I'd always thought about being a stand-up comedian, but I think you all are much more of a friendly uh, kind of uh, audience than the people heckling, and I wouldn't want to do. I'd just pray for them, and everybody get uncomfortable, and that'd be kind of a weird, that'd be kind of a weird thing. But today we're starting a series we're calling True-ish. And we're going to be talking really about this concept of truth. And it can be difficult to know what true is and what true isn't nowadays. And I'm not just talking about politically. I'm not just talking about fake news. I'm not just talking about all that. Just really across our lives when it comes to spiritual things, even though there are things in spiritual life that are black and white, we kind of live in this middle area, don't we? We kind of go right there, and we would prefer even to live by concepts or live by feelings, what we feel like is true or what makes us feel good, or facts that we wish were true or are partially true, rather than things that we know are true. We kind of live our lives in the gray area. And sometimes, and this is where it gets dangerous, this is one of the reasons that truth is important. Something that sounds true, feels true, looks true, is actually a lie. It's true-ish. So what is true? 
What's not true? How do we know if it's true? Why does it matter if it's true? What does God have to say about truth? That's really what this series is all about. So this is the question of the day. This is kind of the question we're hoping to answer today. What is truth? How would you answer that question? Like if I'm in, you know, like the car going home and one of my kids, you know, my nine-year-old son Asher kind of is like, hey, dad, what's truth? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Ask your mom. Like, what would you say if you were asked, what is truth? Maybe truth is being right and wrong, or maybe truth is speaking out kind of your own opinion, being true to yourself. Maybe you'd say truth is exclusive. Not everybody has it. You kind of have to earn it. It's knowledge or smarts. Some people believe truth can only exist in science. Some people believe that truth can only exist in the faith world. Or some people believe that absolute truth, thinking that there's one set of moral principles, is wrong or bigoted or mean. So here's the rub, though. We all have an opinion about truth, whether we know that we do or not. And we all live like some things are true and other things aren't. And you know how I know that? It's because most of us most of us stop at stoplights. And if they ever put a stoplight on Taylor Road here in Columbus, we probably wouldn't stop at that one, right? We're going right through those roundabouts. <laughs> but the reality is we all live by some truth. We just say, yes, this is right and this is wrong. But if you look around or you read your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed or your TikTok feed or your Reddit feed or your news feed, you kind of see that the truth is a lot fuzzier than just about being right and being wrong. And to make things more confusing, life has consequences for being wrong. And so does faith. And this is not a new question. What is truth has been around for a long time. We've asked it. Our parents ask it. Grandparents, great-grandparents. It'll be asked by our kids. It'll be asked by their kids. Jesus was even asked this question directly. So that's where we're going to spend our time. We're going to be in the book of John, the second half of the Bible. It's one of the gospels about Jesus' life. We're going to be in John 18 at the beginning of our time together today. And really, here's the context. Jesus is on trial with a guy named Pilate. Not like airplane Pilate, just Pilate, P-I-L-A-T-E. And so this dude, Pilate, has been told that Jesus is kind of starting an uprising. He's rebelling against the Roman Empire. And Pilate's supposed to figure out if Jesus did anything wrong. So he's interrogating, he's questioning Jesus. And this is kind of a part of that. This is John 18, starting in verse 37. This is what it says. Pilate said, so you are a king? I love this interrogation technique. Have you ever watched like Law and Order? What if this worked? Hey, so you did murder them? They're like, yeah. Like, boom, boom, end of episode. So he goes, so are you a king? And Jesus responded, well, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. And maybe Pilate responded the same way that you and I would respond. Because it's kind of like, what? What is truth? What are you talking about, Jesus? And then Pilate went out again to the people and told them, look, he's not guilty of any crime. So what is truth? Great question, Pilate. It's one of the big ones, isn't it? Because our answer to the question, what is truth, and what we believe about truth, impacts the way we look at each other, impacts the way that we view authority, impacts the way that we view ourselves, that we view our faith, that we view God. It impacts really everything. It can be hard to pin down, though, like what's true and what's not. Here's some examples. True or false? 
the Bible is the most shoplifted book in the world. True or false? Anybody? It's true. And I love that because they're going to be reading it and be like, uh, you should not steal. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like the only self-correcting thing you can steal. It's pretty cool. Here's another one. True or false? There are 32 muscles in the ear of a cat. True or false? Correct answer, who cares, right? It's a cat. It's a cat, who cares? I think it's true, I don't know. More serious though, like for real. True or false, it's wrong to kill someone. Yeah. True or false, it's wrong to steal. Yeah. Here's why it's so difficult to pin down. Same question, add a few words. True or false, it's wrong to kill someone in self-defense. Oh, we're not quite as, quite as ready to yell that one out, are we? True or false, it's wrong to steal to feed your family. And some of us would be like, yes, it's right, or yes, it's wrong. But the reality is, ah, oh, it starts to get a little fuzzier. It starts a little bit more gray. It starts to change just a little bit. Does that mean that truth changes? No, absolutely not. It means we need to break down what truth is and what it isn't. And let's break it down. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk really about what God says about truth. Three things that truth is. And here's the first one. Truth is what is right and what is wrong. Have you ever heard the term like it is what it is? For whatever reason, uh, like professional athletes say that a lot. They're like, hey, uh, you lost the game. They're like, it is what it is. Like, yeah, it is what it is. This is the most like ambiguous phrase you can possibly say. But it's a truth phrase because it is indeed what it is. But the truth is right and wrong. There is a right and there is a wrong. And knowing the difference is a part of wisdom. So is it right? Is it wrong? Is it true? Is it false? Those are the categories. That doesn't mean there aren't gray areas in life. And that doesn't mean it's not difficult to discern at times like we just discovered. But truth doesn't change. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Here's another way to say it. If something is true, it is true for all people, for all time, in all places. Like it doesn't stop being true for you because it's true for me. It doesn't stop being true in another country. It doesn't stop being true because a political leader says something. It doesn't stop or start being true based on anything other than it is true. If something is true, it is true for everybody, all the time, everywhere. That's a good working definition of truth. So truth is what is right and what is wrong. And if it's true, it's true for all of us all the time. And when we talk about truth, it kind of gets difficult when we start to apply it across the board like that. We start to say things like, well, it's true for me, maybe not for you. Feels true, but truth is truth. Here, here's the second way to define truth. Here's another one. Truth is the opposite of lies. Do you ever know somebody like that? Like a guy who's like, what, what is love? Like, well, love is the opposite of hate. And you're like, you're not helpful and I hate you. So now I understand love. <laughs> so hear me out. I understand. It's not helpful at first glance, but here's the point. To believe truth exists means that lies exist, that there's an opposite. So someone who doesn't believe in truth if you've ever met somebody who says, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in absolute truth. I just think, you know, it's, it's something somewhere in between is wrong. There is truth, which means there is lies. This is John 8, same book of the Bible that we were talking about before. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And look at how the devil's described here. 
You love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. Well, that's not a good start. But then to go straight to this, he's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here's why I bring it up because oftentimes in the context of truth, there are a couple of things that we believe that are kind of true-ish. There, there may be things that we can believe until we stop and we actually think about them. And someone who doesn't believe in truth, doesn't adhere to the truth, is wrong. So here are two things that we're going to talk about. These are two lies about truth. Here they are. Truth is relative and truth is subjective. Now we're going to get a little philosophical. You can impress people at your next dinner party or whatever with some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, all these isms and stuff like that. We're going to start with the first one. Have you ever heard the, the phrase like, it's all relative? Like, it, it, it's, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're not hurting anybody, truth doesn't matter. This is, this is kind of what it means, okay? There's something fancy called relativism. And relativism is basically when we assume that there's no such thing as absolute truth, that it moves around, That's a moving target, that time changes truth, or culture changes truth, that there's no such thing as absolute truth. So when we say, oh, it used to be true, and now it's not, that's relativism, that truth isn't really a thing. And when I say it like that, we're all like, well, that that sounds weird, that sounds fishy. So let me give you a real-time example. This is a church example, and I'm not trying to be critical about any church. I think churches who believe this have good hearts and are trying to honor God. But check this out. Did you know that almost all the churches in America at one point used to say that dancing was wrong? That was actually in the history of this church. And that people who believed in Jesus shouldn't dance, like ever. Some churches still believe this. And before we get into like, well, that's silly. Have you ever seen like a daddy-daughter dance? It's like the purest thing ever. Like, no, like, hear it out. We might scoff at it, but let's think about it. The rationale is that a person who follows Jesus should do their best to honor God with who they are and honor God with their bodies. So far, I agree. And dancing is often seen in contexts that might not be as honoring to God as we would like for them to, them to be. Actually, I agree with that too. Can you think of one? Maybe a strip club. Or maybe a place that people are over-consuming alcohol or they're in, interacting with drugs or they're, they're obsessed with sex. Or you listen to some of the songs that people dance to at the club and you start to go, hey, actually, maybe this isn't quite as weird as I thought at first glance. And so these churches decided, therefore, dancing is wrong. And that is not truth. That's an opinion. See, dancing is not wrong, but doing things that don't honor God is wrong. Are you tracking with me? Now, today you don't hear very much about dancing being wrong. Did it stop being wrong? Did the truth move and flex? I don't know. That sounds like dancing to me. And you're like, dancing should be wrong. Don't ever do that again. I understand. Here's the point. Truth doesn't change. It doesn't flex. If it does, it was never truth in the first place. And I think people, well-meaning, God-honoring people, were trying to figure out a way to encourage people not to be in situations that didn't honor God. 
So either dancing wasn't wrong in the first place, or we're in a lot of trouble when we're dancing, or maybe we overstepped and said something that was wrong wasn't. So you see, God is who communicates what is right and what is wrong. But truth doesn't change. And one of the lies is that truth doesn't really exist in the first place, or that it moves around according to culture or according to what we feel or is convenient. But here's the other one, and this is the one that I think is really, really challenging to us individually. Here's the fancy term for it. It's subjectivism. There's a $20 word for you. This is what it means. I, you, me, the subject, I have the right to determine what is right and what is wrong. It's up to me without needing to consider really any other authority outside of me. It's me, me, me. I get to decide. It's my truth. It's all up to me. I don't have to ask anybody else. It's just what I feel, what I think, how I have come to that conclusion. Have you ever heard somebody say, let me follow my truth? You ever heard somebody say that? Maybe you've said that in some context. A lot of times, I think when somebody's saying, hey, this is my truth, what they're really saying is this is my experience. They're saying this is something that I've experienced or I have seen or I worry about or I've been hurt. That's not a wrong thing to do. It's just not truth because truth is true in all places with all people all the time. That's way different, right? Our experience might be one thing, but truth is unchanging. So here's subjectivism. Here's what relativism, here's what these things sound like. If it feels good, it must be good. Have you ever thought that, heard that? As long as it makes me happy and nobody gets hurt, it's okay. As long as I'm sincere as I mean what I say, I'm trying, if my intentions are good. And those are all true-ish statements. They're not true completely. They're dangerous, actually. Here's what I mean. There are things that feel good that are very bad. That's the truth. Ask any addict. Overuse of alcohol, drugs, pornography. There are so many things that feel good in the moment that aren't good for us in the long term. Here's another way to think about it. There are things that make us happy in the moment that are harmful in the long run. Overeating, oversleeping, complaining, gossiping, getting on Facebook and being like, I'm going to show them what I think. And it dumps these chemicals into our brain and it feels good for a second, but it might be harmful in the long term. Maybe getting out of a a relationship or maybe like there are these things or or staying in a relationship. There are all of these ways that we go, hey, it's not necessarily true if it makes us happy in the moment. That doesn't make it true. And sometimes we are incredibly sincere, but we are very wrong, right? Right? Here's an example. The other day, we were at home, and my wife, Abby, and I were, were sitting there, and she said, hey, Adam, can you go get my cell phone from the kitchen counter? That's a normal thing. Like, of course, yes. If you know me very well, you know I'm terrible at finding things, like epically bad. Like, if, it was, if there was a fire at our house, it was like, get the most valuable things, I'd be like, I don't know where the door is. Who are our kids? What's going on? Like, I just can't, I just can't do it. And so I'm, I'm like searching. I really did give it the old college try, but I'm looking at the counter and I'm like, I can't find it. I tell her I can't find it. And she's like, hey, it's, it's out there. Like, I know it's out there. And I'm like, okay. And so finally, I, I, like, I'm, I'm just desperate and I call it and we both hear it. Ring, ring. 
She's sitting on it. And you better believe I'm like, oh, I'm using that in a message. Like I, gotta, I got everyone to know that one time she was wrong. But here, here's the question. Here's the point. Here's the point. Did she lie? Right? See, you see, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, that's silly. That's funny because it is. But the reality is she was incredibly sincere. But sincerity does not equal truth. Neither do intentions. She had no intention of being dishonest. And relativism and subjectivism are so tempting to us because they feel good in the moment. They're easier for us to live by because it's really just up to us and what we think, and that's the end of it. So let's recap. Truth is what is right and wrong. Truth is the opposite of lies. Truth is not relative, meaning doesn't change. It's not subjective, meaning it's not just what I or you decide. And here's the third one, and it's a really important one, and it's a hard one for us to wrap our minds around. Truth is a who, not a what. I think the best definition of truth is not filled of theories and equations and proof. The reality is, if you're never wrong and have never been wrong, we probably need to check ourselves. But we aren't truth. Somebody else is. This is John 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And that's kind of weird, right? Like, would that be his wrestling name? Like, Jesus, the truth Christ or something? Like, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, is that what he's saying? What he's saying is, no, I personify truth. Every single thing about Jesus is true. It's his nature. He is truth. And that's hard for us to wrap our mind around because we ain't. But this is so important. This is a life-changing truth because Jesus is saying that he is truth and that all truth matches up to what Jesus says and what he's all about. And so this is, this is important because if Jesus is who he says he is and did what the Bible says he did, it changes everything. What he did on the cross, dying for our mistakes, for our sin, where we fall short, is the greatest truth that could be possibly understood. And if we believe in Jesus that he is the truth, it means we believe what he says is true. What he cares about is true. And that it's not relative, it's not changing, it's not subjective and up to us. And if Jesus is who he says he is, and he has done what the Bible has said he has done on the cross, we have hope and we have joy and we have peace because he is truth. There's another way of saying it. This is John 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, if you obey. And you will know the truth, him, you'll know Jesus, and the truth will set you free. Have you ever heard that phrase, the truth will set you free? It's in the Bible. It's a Bible phrase. Knowing Jesus isn't an intellectual thing. It's a relational thing. Truth isn't just facts and formulas. Jesus is saying, if you know who I am, if you're with me and I'm with you, and you do your best to obey me and follow me and adhere to what I say is truth, it will set you free. That sounds nice, but free from what? 
Well, Jesus sets you free from sin. Sin is like bondage. It's like chains. It's like being surrounded by the darkest night and you don't know how to get out and you don't know where to go. It comes in all different shapes and sizes, but it's really anything that falls short of God's standard. You know, one of the funny things about sin is I always think your sin is bigger than my sin. I always care more about you following the truth than me following the truth. But if Jesus is the truth and that sets us free, that's only because of what Jesus did on the cross. And we're no longer surrounded by that darkness. We're no longer trapped by our sin. We're set free. And I don't know what sin is holding you down. My guess is something is. It is for me too. Like sin is pervasive. It's a part of our lives. It's a part of how we live. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't have hope. But Jesus sets you free from sin. He sets you free from the next high. He sets you free from needing to buy the clothes to feel a little bit better. He sets you free from needing to go back to the post to see how many likes you got. He sets you free from talking behind somebody's back and damaging a relationship, even if they don't know you said anything. Jesus sets you free from the deep anger or the deep greed or the deep jealousy or the deep guilt that we carry with us. He sets us free from those things because of the hope of the cross. That's why truth is as important as it is. It's not to get people to behave a certain way. It's because Jesus died on the cross so that we can have hope. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that there aren't right and wrong ways to live. It just means that his hope is first, that he sets us free from the sin. And truth is not something that confines us or puts us in a box or makes us feel like we are less than. Truth sets us free. And one more thing, one more thing that Jesus being the truth does, see, Jesus also sets us free from shame. See, if what Jesus is saying is true, when the truth comes into light, whatever that might be, when sin is no longer keeping us down, we no longer have to pretend. We no longer have to carry the shame or the weight or the guilt or the pain or the hurt by ourselves. He's been with us the whole time anyway. That doesn't mean there aren't earthly consequences to sin. There's definitely earthly consequences to sin. But it means that no matter who we are, what we've done, where we've been, we are no longer imprisoned by the worst thing that we have done because Jesus has set us free. Because the truth is, we all fall short of God's standard. And the truth is, we are all in need of a Savior. And the truth is, we all make huge mistakes that we regret, whether we know it or see it or admit it in the moment. And the truth is, we are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the truth is, we can experience hope and joy and peace today and in eternity. So is there a sin in your life today that God is prompting you to take care of? Is there a shame that you have? It surrounds you, you're wearing it like a cloak. 
Is there something in your life that you're like, hey, maybe I've never even believed in the truth, and you can do that today. Or maybe you believed in Jesus for a long time, and you forgot that Jesus set you free, that you're not surrounded by the sin, the hurt, the pain, the shame anymore. I don't know what it is for you. I don't. But whatever sin and whatever shame you feel, here's the truth. Jesus loves you, and the truth will set you free. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that the truth is not up to me. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want that weight. I'm so thankful that you love through truth and you show us truth through love and that you are, Jesus, that you are who you say you are, that you are the Son of God, that you came down to understand who we are, to show us love, to guide us, that you decided to climb up on the cross to submit yourself to that but that the story doesn't end there, that the truth extends past the cross to the tomb and past the tomb to you conquering death so that we can have a right relationship with God. And I know that sometimes those truth statements feel fuzzy to us, but I believe and you have shown that they are true and that the truth of the cross sets us free, that we're no longer surrounded by what we do, with, by what we feel, by the sin we've done, the shame that surrounds us. We're no longer surrounded by that. We're surrounded by your truth, your grace, your love, your hope, your peace. We surrender that to you today. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how we feel, no matter what's led up to this point or where it's going tomorrow in the hurt and the pain or whatever we feel today, we surrender it to you And we say thank you for being the truth and thank you for setting us free. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.